Hebrews 11, 6. We're going to look at one verse right now. We're going to go back into this chapter and kind of fill it in later, but just the one verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. If you'd uh, listen as I read aloud this one verse. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's two things there. You've got to believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder, or he stands behind his word, his promise. He's faithful to do what he said he's going to do. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you'd help us today to gain some insight into this passage of scripture and the principles behind this, Lord, to allow it to be a blessing to us where we live. Lord, I pray that you just bless, bless in uh, all that's said and done here. Lord, I thank you for uh, the beautiful day you've given us again. And uh, what a wonderful uh, part of the season where we have sun and the and the leaves and the colors. And Lord, just it's such a blessing to, to see your goodness all around us. And Lord, sometimes we can kind of focus on the wrong things. Lord, help us focus on the right things right now. Lord, I pray for that one that's here. Help them to see your love for them and that it's stronger, it's greater than anything they've ever experienced before. So Lord, I pray that you help them to hear, to listen, to take in, and to respond to your love today. Lord, for believers, that you would help us to, by faith, take the steps needed to uh, apply them to our hearts, our lives, and, and so that you would bless. Lord, I pray that you just bless and all that's said and done here. Open your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Today, we're going to be looking in this passage of scripture that speaks to us about our relationship to God through faith. This applies to how we get saved, but also how we trust God for, well, everything. Being that this month we're going to be emphasizing the stewardship of our finances. We've done that last year and I think the year before. And we've kind of taken November and, and kind of looked at things, uh, what the Bible says about where we are and our fidelity to him, to the creator, with the substance, with the blessings that he's given us. This passage is ideal because we can see the application of not only salvation, and we're going to be dealing with that. So if you're here without Christ then that's what you have to pay attention to. We'll, we'll get to that portion of scripture in the message, and I'll, I'll make a note of it for those of you that have never been born again to listen real carefully then. But it's not only salvation, but it's also being faithful in our giving, being faithful in where we are with the Lord, our walk with the Lord. As a matter of fact, how we relate to everything in a Christian walk before the Lord. It's in these steps of faith. Uh-oh, preacher, <laughs> preaching about money. Yeah, I can hear the objections already through your brains. That, that is, uh, okay, we're in church, and here we go. You're uh, preaching about money, about finances. And you see, you thought having a thick skull was a protection from leaking out your thoughts? Nah, 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 I got it. Um, well, I'm with you there. I understand. I understand also because there's so many... Uh, uh, charges, false accusations leveled at church and the Bible that we tend to overcorrect. Because there were things said in a negative, we say, okay, well, we're not going to say anything about it at all. But when we see that Jesus didn't avoid the subject of money, matter of fact, he, he talked a lot about finances and about the relationship that men have with their wealth or their substance because it's tied to men's 
hearts. I'd not preach the whole counsel of God if I avoided biblical principles that God deals with in his word, and he certainly deals with us and our, uh, the, the stewardship of what God has given us. The title of the message here this morning is Investment Before Blessing. You have to invest before you see the result. Investment before blessing. Note how the, the Bible deals with the aspect of applying faith in these different ways. Let me go through a few scriptures. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. And here is talking about being uh, either bountiful, generous, or being miserly. You know, being, being stingy. That which, uh, you know, scatters and, and, and uh, is liberal, they seem to increase. Whereas those that, are, that withhold more than is meat, that tendeth to poverty, goes on to say, the liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Now here, in this context, it's not talking about fat in a bad way. Now today, whenever you talk about fat, it's bad, you know. Like, I look at this and I say, thank you, Lord. There's a Bible verse that I don't, I don't have to be ashamed of where I am today. But, uh, but it's not talking about that. It's talking about uh, being blessed. The liberal soul, somebody who is, who is generous with what they have, the liberal soul shall be made fat. In other words, get blessing, gain blessing. He that watereth shall be watered also himself. Now, he, he's talking about here, first you have to be liberal, giving, and then you get the blessing. You have to invest before you see the product or the, or the fruit or the blessing, okay? Ecclesiastes 1, uh, 11, 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Cast your bread upon the waters. That seems like you're wasting or you're, you're losing your substance, your wealth, whatever it is. Cast thy bread upon the waters. But he says, if you do that, if you're giving, if you're generous, you will, you know what? There's a principle there that God will bless. You will be blessed. It might take many days. So first, there's the investing, and then comes the blessing. Luke 6, 38, that's what Jesus said. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Here is the, 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 the word picture of somebody that, that uh, puts corn or, or beans or, or some kind of grain in a basket, fills it up, but then wants to put more, shakes it down, makes it settle, puts more in, shakes it down, and then even so much that it's running over. He says, this is, if, if you give, then you're going to get back bountiful like that. But God says here, first, you have to give, and then... It shall be given. So you invest before you're blessed. Okay? Um, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. And of course this applies towards our giving and our tithes. Um, and here, he, you know, just prior to this, verse number 8, verse number 9, uh, the, the, the Lord is very clear when he says the tithe is the Lord's. It's, it's mine. Then he says in verse 10, Malachi 3.10, Bring ye all the tithes. And you know what tithe is. A tithe is 10%. <clears throat> the, the one uh, preacher that preached on tithing. <laughs> I don't care what you call it. It's 10%, you know. A tithe is 10%. And so uh, uh, here, the Lord, and, and this is a principle that he's, he's taught throughout 
the, the, the relationship to his people, to those that trust him, is that everything is the Lord's, and he blesses us with so many, he requires the first blessing, the first fruits, they, they call it. The first 10% of all the, the return, of all the blessing, you give that back to God to recognize where it comes from, you know, that he provides it, that he's the, the giver of all things, and so the tithe is the Lord's. So he says here, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Okay, now wait a minute. When do we get the blessing? You mean we get the blessing first and then God blesses us so much and then we tithe? No, 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 no. Look at what it says. You bring the tithes. You pay what is God's. You, you, you uh, uh, acknowledge him in your life. And then God will bless you for that, for keeping it in the right perspective. First is the investment, and then comes the blessing. I'll pour you out a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive it. This is what happens when we are faithful with our tithe. Verse 11, and I will rebuke, God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. You know what the devourer is? Back then, in the agricultural community, the devourer was the worm or the caterpillar or the grasshopper that would eat up the crops and was taken away from their profits. That's the devourer. And God says, I will, I will rebuke the devourer. I will, I will prosper your things when you're honest with me with your finances. Uh, what's the devourer in our day? Well, it's the dentist and the and the, the doctor and the, the lawyer and the, and the state trooper that might pull you over and then, you know, whatever. We're not talking about that today. But anyway, so he says, listen, if you, if you put me first and these, you invest first and then I will bless you, bless your things, protect you and, and, and bring you. But the, the, the principle is first you invest before blessing comes. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So he says, bring the first fruits and then the blessings come after that. So you can see uh, uh, the, the, the principle that we're going to be emphasizing today is investing before blessing. So we started with uh, Hebrews eleven six. This is our text. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This also uh, uh, lies within that investment first. First, you come to God. First, you invest. First, you put stock into what he says. And then you get the blessing or you get the fruit of that. And he's a rewarder of the, those who first put in the diligently seeking him. First put in the investment into uh, our faith, into what the Lord says. Well, here in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the, the chapter of faith or the hall of faith. Uh, all of these servants of God and they're, you know, from Abraham on through and how that they trusted God and God blessed them. Uh, down in verse number 24, they uh, actually right before that, they talk about Moses and his life. What, a, what a, an example of one who invested and then blessings came later in hebrews chapter 11 verse 24 it says by faith moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of god than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season you know the story there the background he was uh uh, uh cast into the 
Nile, the Nile River and was fished out by Pharaoh's daughter. And she says, oh man, I, I would love to have a child. She took this in as her own. She raised it as uh, one of, the, one of the, uh, the, the dynasty sons. He would have maybe been the, the, uh, a Pharaoh to come in line to, to have all. Of, and so he was raised in all of the education and the, and the, the wealth and the, and the care of Egypt. I mean, uh, a rich, a, 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 a very opulent, you know, uh, setting. And he was, he was uh, raised as Pharaoh's son. And so when he came to years, he actually chose not to line up with Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but with the Hebrews, which were the slaves of the day. They were the, the downcast. They were the oppressed. But he was an Egyptian. He was a, a Hebrew. He was not an Egyptian. So he lined up with God's people. So that's why it says choosing, this is what he did. He came to ch choose here. He chose choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Well, the pleasures and the, 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 the uh, comfort and, and all the, the wealth that he could have had, yeah, just for a season, the time that, that he was there on the throne or time in his life. But he realized, no, no, there's something more than this. He, he, he kind of weighed things out in, with God's perspective, and he says, no, no, by faith, what he did, he invested in what God said. He, he lined up with what God said, even though he had to lose those things for a season, the, the, the blessings of uh, being Pharaoh's son, um, the pleasures of sin for a season. It goes on to verse 26. This is why he did that. He esteemed, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He valued the things of God. Even if it was persecution to stand with God, to stand where he was, to be maligned with God, was the, the reward for that would be more than what Egypt could grant. More than the gold, more than the position, more than the popularity or the power, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than whatever Egypt could give, the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Because God promised things. God said, hey, if you stand with me, I will reward you. But it's, it takes an investing first. It takes a, first a person to choose and then to get the blessings of God later. But he, he did that because he believed God. It was a, a, a step of faith. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, it didn't matter what Pharaoh and his power was. He actually focused on uh, the one who is not seen with human eyes, but he saw God and, and by faith. So it's a step of faith. He invested in God, in who he was, in his power, his omnipotence, his supremacy over even the supreme king of the, the human government there of Pharaoh. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But this, this shows uh, Moses' steps in faith. And folks, every time, all of us, each one of us, in hearing what God says, we've got to choose. And we've got to choose to invest, to put stock into, to believe what God says, so that we can be blessed. Okay, you understand that? That's the principle. Uh, in investing before blessing. All faith operates in the same progression. First, we got to do this. Then there's something that comes of that. So let's look at the stages of faith. Back to our text, Hebrews 11.6. Let's, let's read it. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Of the stages of faith, the first point is our quest. This is the quest. Our text, Hebrews eleven six. he is, and that he is a rewarder. Who is God? What does he say? What does he promise? If he's a rewarder, that means he's, he's, he's promising some things that will come. It's not here, not now. And so let's find out about this promise. It's our quest. It's our fact-finding mission to find out about who God is. This coming to him. Coming to him is, is discovering God. We're to investigate. We're to discover. We're to learn who God is, his attributes, his supremacy, his power. Along with learning who God is, we must also take in his faithfulness, his fidelity, his consistency in his promise. He promises some things, and he stands behind that. you got to learn that about God. First, the thing, if, if we want to uh, take advantage of faith, first we've got to find out what God says, who he is. Does he stand behind what he promises? He sure does. He does not lie. He cannot lie, the Bible says. He doesn't lie, and he stands behind every utterance of his word. Stronger and more powerful than the, even the forces of the natural universe. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not. They shall not pass away. Wow. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, with all the power of uh, the forces of the, the, the natural world and the, the, the universe in which we're, we're surrounded, there's something that's stronger, that's more uh, secure, that's, that's greater, that is, that is uh, top above that is my word and what I say, and it's going to come to pass because I'm standing behind my promise, my word. Wow. See, the person has to understand who God is first before they would put faith in that person, in what he says. It's the quest of uh, learning about God, uh, about, about learning what his promise is. Uh, first, we must see, understand who he is. And then, number two, the stages of faith, first is a quest. Number two, invest. Where we're called upon to put stock into, to believe what God says. That's what it says in our text, Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith. Faith is believing. It's not believing in the, un, in the, the uh, non-existent. It's believing in the unseen. Just because you don't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I can't see the wind, but I know it's there. I, I really can't see the electric charges that are going through the, the wires and the outlets that are around in this building, but I'm not going to stick a, a screwdriver in, in one of them, you know, because I believe that it's pretty powerful. You know, just zap me. I don't have to see something to know that it's there. Uh, but that's what believing is, is, is believing in, is, is believing is in the unseen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe. That's the first point. You've got to, this is where God requires the individual to ante up, if you will. This is where we're required to invest in, to put stock into God, into what he says, to believe him, his word, to trust who God is. First, we find out that God is omnipotent. He's strong. He's powerful. Okay, he can stand behind that, and now he promises that. Now we trust that he will. 
to act upon nothing more than his character and his fidelity to his promise. That's what faith is. Before reward comes faith. It, it, you've got to trust him. You've got to put skin in the game. This is our investment. Our investment is our faith. We, we choose to, to uh, 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 put stock into what God says. Folks, this always costs something. Serving the Lord always costs. Putting faith into God always costs. But it's something that costs us. It costs, you know, uh, uh, this is personal. It's going to cost me. You can't go on the faith of your parents or your preacher or your Sunday school teacher. You can't go by the faith of your husband or wife. It's something that's going to cost you. You've got to invest into believing God, putting, putting stock into what God says, believing who he is. It's going to cost you, okay? Um, just recently, we, we are... Uh, uh, Going through this, getting ready with the county to start with the bathrooms, and you know how that is. We, we've uh, uh, raised the uh, uh, $17,000, $18,000, I think it was, that we've raised already and is sitting ready to start with the bathroom renovation. And by the way, uh, we found out from the county that it's going to cost more because we need more blueprints and more this and more that. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know what the ad adjustment is <laughs> when we find out. But, okay, so, so that's, you know, people have given that. Um, and, and uh, the, the uh, uh, men that are working with our finances have, have noted this in the, in the financial stats of the last year or so. Uh, they, they call it uh, bathroom tithing. And I'm going, oh, this is interesting. What does this mean? You know, it's, it's people that are giving to something that it's not theirs to give. <laughs> I'll explain that in a, in, in a minute. But let me say this. Let me say this. I just heard Brother Josh. Raise your hand, Brother Josh. He's back here. Okay. He needs, you know, this morning, he's kind of down on his luck. He needs a few dollars. He needs 20 bucks. And you know what? Today, I, I got one. <laughs> That's all I have. I don't have 20 bucks. But anyway, uh, so uh, you, you can't. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> okay, now, hey, hang on. Just a second. Hey, Josh, guess what? God blessed. <laughs> How about that? This is yours. Hey, listen, anytime you need it, just let me know, okay? All right, good, good. Yeah, I'm your friend. I did that. Hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say, preacher, wait a minute, that wasn't your money. And, and I said, hey, I'm a good guy, and I'm giving this to you, and, it's, and just because he needs it, you know, and, and he's, he said, that's not right. Why is that not right? That wasn't mine. I should have said, no, no, this is, this is uh, Matt's, not yours. It's Matt's, okay? Hey, you want to know something? <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry. Should have said it's Jamie's. <laughs> money that was committed to the bathrooms, it might be just a coincidence, I don't know, 
But you know, we were talking about the finances, you know, this year and all that kind of stuff. And and you know, it's interesting that the tithes and offerings of the church has dipped exactly seventeen thousand dollars this year. The year that we collected for the offering for the bathroom, which was seventeen thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's what's happening, because I don't know. I don't know that. But, you know, sometimes people think, oh, hey, here's a need, and I can go ahead and bring it. Here's, instead of tithing, I'm putting it towards that need. You want to know something? Tithing is not yours to give. It's God's. You've got to understand. You, you don't touch that. You know, to give towards missions or special projects or whatever. That's up to you and me. And if we want to give it, then, you know, amen. That's a blessing. And God blesses us for doing that. But you know what God says about his tithe? The tithe is the Lord's. It's not even yours to give. And when sometimes we will take, you know, out of our tithe to give something towards some project or whatever, and we think, hey, that's good. No, 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 no. You didn't give anything. You actually stole from God to give to some project because that wasn't yours to give. You know, if you take a look at that, Acts chapter 4, verse number 34, when the first century Christians gave, they gave to the general fund, and they allowed the leaders of the church to direct the monies according to the needs. This is what it says, Acts 4, 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were, as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the, the prices of the things that were sold, verse 35, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made, and goes on. You know what they did? They got their offering, they brought it to the church, and they laid it down. And they said, now that's up to the, uh, the administration where, where it's needed. In verse 37 it says, and they brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's how they gave. Hands off. They, you know, sometimes a person will take from their tithe and give towards, I don't know, whatever. Uh, there's a need here, or a need for this, or a need for that, and they'll and they'll give towards that. That's not, folks. That's not yours to give. You give that to the Lord, and that's the you know how this is biblical, where where the the church determines you know what where the needs are, and the general funds, and the you know uh, given towards uh, the the bills and the salaries and the missionaries and whatever it is that the that the the uh, church decides to do with that, and and that's how to give. Once it left their hands, they released a direction of it to God and his organism. But what you got to understand is your tithe is not your tithe. It's God's tithe. That's what the Bible says. The tithe is the Lord's. So that's what I'm saying. You know, listen, if we're, if we're going to be given uh, to a special project like whatever, you better not touch the tithe because that's not yours to give. Do you understand? Okay. Um, to get the blessings of God... On my life, in the financial realm, I've got to first invest, and it's something that costs me. It, it, I'm, I've got to invest what is mine to, to, uh, to get the blessing. And then he comes through, and then he blesses. And that's how it is when it's, you know, giving to the Lord's work or, or anything. Okay, so the point here is without faith... It is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must first of all believe, which means you invest in, you uh, put stock into what God says, and it costs you. It costs you whatever it is. So stages of faith. First is the quest. You, you searching for who God is. What does he say? What is his promise? And then it's my choice to invest. 
to believe in that. And number three is the test. Hebrews 11.6 says that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When it talks about reward, that means something given after a while or after something else happens, after there's an investment and then there's a, uh, a produce or, or a blessing, it's a reward. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek. You know why it says diligently seek him? Because you have to diligently seek him first for God to come through in this as a rewarder. There, listen, there's no test if we trust him and then immediately get rewarded. God doesn't work that way. You know, where he says, listen, the tithe is mine. Don't rob of the tithe. Just go ahead and give the tithe and I will bless you. Prove me now herewith. I'll open the windows of heaven. I will rebuke the devourer. I will do these things. But it's not like, okay, that's what God says. Here it goes. I'm going to give this Sunday morning. And then you leave here and you check your, your uh, messages. Nope, God didn't come through. He's a liar. No, it takes that investment, and then there's, there's uh, a space. There's, there's, that, uh, there's always a space between our faith and his fulfillment. Always. Between when we invest into what God says to when he comes through. When we believe it is that test. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This was illustrated in Moses' life. Now, we, we read these verses about Moses, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Remember, he was all set up. He was on the throne. Going to be the, maybe the next ruler to come up, and he realized, wait a minute, I've got to either line up with God and the maligned and the slaves that are around here, and this is God's people. Or I stay with, with uh, Pharaoh and this lineage and just get everything. So he had to choose. That's what it says. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. That means he chose to line up with God's people, and he lost everything. And for that time that he lost everything, it was because he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures in Egypt, for he had respect to the recompense of the reward. He believed what God said, and he says, you know what? If I line up with God, eventually God will bless. He lost everything. He lost his position. He became a pauper. He, matter of fact, he became an exile. And then he's on the backside of the desert for 40 years, 40 years uh, watching sheep. You know, if you take a look at Moses' life, when, when he was just a little baby, his mother, Jochebed, taught him the songs, the stories, the truths about God. This was the quest stage. Uh, she was teaching him, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing Thing my God cannot do. Come on, little Moses, let's do it. My God is so big. You know, and he's learning this as a little baby. He's learning about how big God is, how great he is, how wonderful he is. And he's le learning that God is faithful and God is holy and, and that he expects us to serve him and all. And he's, when, when his mother's teaching him these stories, these truths, this was the, the quest stage where Moses is finding out who God is. What God promises. It was the disclosure, the learning, the exposed to God's power and God's promise. And then he came to years. He's, you know, a young man, a teenager. And, and, and then it was time to invest in God's truths. Or 
buckle to the pleasurable. See, that's the time where, where it all uh, came down to it after the being raised by his mother, learning these things, and now he's in the, the courts of Pharaoh and he's, and he's being raised with all the, the wealth and all the servants and all the popularity and, and, and all of the, uh, the comfort all around him. He had to choose. Should I invest in God's truth or should I just want to go with the convenient? The world's reward. But he believed God so much that he had respect, as the Bible says. <coughs> That's the proper evaluation of the reality of the promises of God. <coughs> but this was much more than just believing. This was choosing. This was an act of his will. He learned about God, but then he had to choose. He came to the place, okay, what do I do? Where do I stand? I've got to choose now to stand with Pharaoh or to stand with God's people. And he chose to, to stand with God. It was an act of his will, a decision that was needed to be made. <clears throat> the way he could do this was because he, was, uh, uh, he, he used a heavenly tape measure. He esteemed, he valued, esteemed and saw God's word, God's position. And then he acted upon these spiritual realities he put stock into. He invested into who God was and his promises. And of course, then the test came in his life. And that test was then he was exiled. Well, wait a minute. Is God not powerful? Yes. Does not God stand behind his word? Yes. Does not God bless the one who trusts him? Yes. But wait a minute. He lost everything and he's in the wilderness as a, as a, a, a shepherd watching sheep in, in, in Nowheresville. The test came in when he was exiled into obscurity. Believing God, he lost everything that he could have, that could have been his in his temporary kingdom. That's what it says. Uh, pleasures for a season. He could have had that. It was all gone away when he died or when it was taken away from him anyway, like all of us. But he had that temporary kingdom. He lost it all. Would God come through? Would God vindicate one who invests into his kingdom? The 40 years on the backside of the desert probably tested and mocked his faith daily. Every day he had to, to face those questions. Is God faithful? Was it right for me to stand up for God and uh, with God on his side? And then we know the rest of the story. He was ultimately blessed. God chastised the most powerful kingdom of the world of his time, freeing the Christian, uh, the, the children of Israel and the power and protection of the Almighty One. And Moses saw that and he saw God come through and that's where he was blessed. But that's what happened in his life. He was eventually blessed. No wonder Moses was called the patriarch of the faith. No wonder that his story was an illustration of what it means to believe God. Remember the Hebrews account continued with verse 28 of, the, of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. It says, through faith, he kept the Passover. This is after they were released from Egypt. You remember that? He kept the Passover, or the night before they were released from Egypt, is the last plague was the plague of the firstborn, the killing of the firstborn. He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch him, touch them. You remember how God explained that? He says, okay, this last plague is going to come. Better pay attention to what I'm saying. Better believe me. Take this lamb. You, you have it in your home for a week. And then you slit the throat. And you take the blood of that innocent lamb. And you put it on the, the doorpost and lintel of your house. Every house 
that doesn't have blood on the, on the exterior of the door, I'm going to visit that house and the firstborn, no matter how many kids you have, there's always a firstborn. The firstborn of that house of man or beast is going to die. God said, this is what's going to happen. And now by that time, ten plagues, ten plagues have gone on. Everything that God said was coming true. Everything, hey, the quest was already there. People investigated and they understood God means what he says. So those that believe God, they sure got behind a house that had blood on the door. And those that didn't believe God, they just went on. And that night was an awful, awful, blood-curdling grief that went out in every house that did not have the blood. And that's what it says. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By the way, this in itself is a picture of Christ. It's a picture of salvation. A picture of salvation that he offers to all of us today. Okay, remember I said if you're lost or you've never been born again, pay attention. This is for you, okay? That illustrated what you and I need to know about salvation. Death was on its way. God warned everybody. God was merciful to warn everybody and say, listen, there's going to be death. There's, there's a way to escape that, though. God warned of the impending doom, but also the divine providence of the blood of the innocent lamb. And by the way, that represented Jesus. He's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And it was his blood that was applied, not, not the symbolized uh, lamb. No, no, it was Jesus. And God says, listen, there's going to be destruction, and you will pay. Listen, you don't want to be uh, unprotected in the judgment of God. And, and as the, the death angel was coming through, he says, you need to get this blood on the door. And that, of course, was Jesus. There's justice and judgment articulated against transgressors. And that's what the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's you and that's me, all of us. Hey, we're in need of a Savior. We're in need of avoiding the judgment of God for the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now listen, if you're here without Christ, God warns you very clearly. You need the blood. Unless you have the blood, unless you get behind the protection of the blood of the Lamb, there will be death, there will be destruction. You'll be sorry, there'll be, there'll be grief. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Who do you think said that? That's God warning you. Listen, he's making it clear. He's, he's giving that warning clear so that you can flee the wrath to come. What a merciful warning, especially in the light of the Passover lamb, especially in the light of the cost. That it took Jesus to give his, his breath and his blood for you, for me. He died, and it, it, what a great cost. God was merciful to, to warn you about that and say, listen, unless you get saved, unless you get born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. But there's protection from destruction behind the blood. Anybody behind those blood-stained doors, they were okay. They were safe that night. And listen, anybody with Jesus as their Savior, the blood applied to them, to their soul, listen, they're safe. And you have deliverance. And those are the simple steps of faith. First is the quest. That's hearing of the warning and the salvation that God offers to all. 
understanding who God is and, and, and how that he made it clear. This is what he said. This is what his word says. And then invest. Remember, that means it, it's more than just acknowledging or believing. It takes a choice, a decision to place your faith in God and his word. To forsake your feeble shields of good works or religion or sincerity or defiled human effort. Listen, that's not going to stop the judgment of God. Listen, it's coming through. There's one thing that stops the judgment of God. And that's the blood. That's it. Put the blood on the door or you will face the destroyer. And then comes the test. Today, all believers are sojourners in this world under the spell of the God of this world. There, we, we receive taunting and challenging and maligning. There's no way around persecution of this world when you stand with Jesus. Jesus said, listen, if you're going to be with me, I go through hatred, they're going to hate you. Yes, there is a space between when we say I do to the day that we're carted off to our heavenly reward, and that hadn't happened yet for us that are alive here yet, we'll eventually be blessed. But you know what? From the time that God promises these things, there's that test. That's where we're today. Even in this miserable state, we have his presence and his protection and his power and his joy. Thank the Lord for that. Listen, even in this state, I, I'm so glad that I know the Lord. Before the reward comes, I'm so glad. I'm a happy camper. I'm, I'm, a, I'm fulfilled. I'm so happy I came to Christ. Even before the reward, we will look faithful to the land of blessing and reward. It's not here and now. But it's a promise that this faithful God stands behind. It's the same steps of faith. You find out what God says and you, you then choose to put stock into. And, and before heaven is this investment, this test. So if you stop right here, the question is, do you have the blood of Jesus on your soul? Have you taken him and his sacrifice for your salvation? It takes more than just knowing about the blood. It takes applying it to your door, to your life, to your failed efforts. You're not going to get in heaven in your own way, in your own efforts. You're not going to do it, folks. Jesus made it very clear. Unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. you got to get saved. you got to get saved. I say the stages of faith were quest, invest, test, but then the last is blessed. And that's where we are in 11, uh, Hebrews 11, 6. <clears throat> he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, payday does come. Reward is down the line. Blessings, providence, fulfillment, honor, safety, security, protection, his bounty. Listen, that stands, God stands behind his promises. Blessing. We get the best when we trust God to come through on his promises to us. But first comes the investment. Invest, investing before blessing. Have you been saved? Do you know that for sure? If not, you need to get, you need to put your faith in Christ today. And Christian, you know, the, the walk of faith is the same. We invest and watch God come through and he blesses. Every head bowed. Don't be looking for just a moment.